Hey, everybody, welcome back to Crafted on the Blister Podcast Network. I'm Jonathan Ellsworth, and you can check out everything we're doing and reviewing over at blisterreview.com. Today, we've got another edition of Amateur Hour here on Crafted, and our guest is Atomic Ski Boots product manager, Matt Manzer. Now, many of you already know Matt from our seemingly never-ending series over on our Gear 30 podcast called A Very Deep Dive on Ski Boots, but it turns out that when Matt Manzer isn't nerding out about ski boots, he is absolutely nerding out about scotch. And you longtime listeners of Gear 30 will know that Scotch has already made its way into some of Matt and my conversations. But today, Matt is frankly offering something like a masterclass on Scotch. It's so good, I almost had to pull his amateur credentials. But, well, what the hell, he is dropping all kinds of knowledge in this episode. It's pretty good information. A couple of stupid jokes, of course, along the way. You know, standard fare around here. Anyway, Matt and I once again had such a good time in this conversation that we're kind of threatening to do a follow-up episode on Crafted, kind of a part two with Matt on Scotch. So I don't know, let us know what you think of that idea. And if we do it, we'll try to let you know what drinks we're going to be sipping well in advance so maybe you can get your hands on some of the things that we either talked about in this conversation or that might come up in our next conversation anyway this episode of crafted is presented by our blister craft collective this is our growing collection of outstanding craft companies across a number of different craft categories And not only do these companies offer exceptional products, they also support the independent work that we do here at Blister. These are some of our favorite companies out there, so we hope that you will check out the list of companies in our Blister Craft Collective. There will be a link to the Craft Collective in the show notes of this episode. So take a look, check out their products, and I have a hunch some of their stuff will soon become some of your favorite stuff, too. One last thing, we just put up yesterday a new installment of our Open Mic series. This was a piece written by our very own Kara Williard, where she reflects on her recent ski trip to Antarctica. It is another great entry in our Open Mic series, so go check out Kara's new piece and catch up on any of the Open Mic pieces that you might have missed. And now, let's go ahead and dive way down the rabbit hole with Matt Manzer talking about scotch. Here we go. Ladies and gentlemen... I'm here with Matt Manzer, and I'm not going to lie, I'm like nervous for this conversation. I think part of it is because it's 1.30 p.m. Mountain Standard Time, which means it is 9.30 p.m. in Matt's little corner of the world in Austria. So, as far as I'm concerned, Matt is drinking at a normal time, like when one should be enjoying a drink. I'm not really into drinking close to noon. 
and I have like a big team meeting after this conversation and I'm just a little nervous about what's about to happen here. And those are just, that's my honest uh, state of state of the union for myself. To be clear, it is afternoon. Where it you is. Are. Barely. I mean, and, and it's Friday. It's weekend. Dude, you're, you know, that's you're one foot in the weekend. No, you, you know, that's not, you know, that's not my reality. But it's reality. But, <laughs> okay. Fair. Um. <laughs> Hi, by the uh, way. Hi. Very nice to be back. It, yeah. Um, Matt, Actually, this isn't back. This is the first time. Your um, first time on Crafted. Crafted. Here we go. Wonderful to be here. Uh, I, I, probably a good time to tell people. I think definitely before I launched Crafted, I was asking your opinion, what you thought of the idea. And, and now look, look at us. Here we are. It's like a full circle are. moment. Didn't Cody not like this idea? Weren't we discussing this in, in Venice? And he I, was kind of salty on it or something. I don't and think I said, so. It's a great idea. I, I think Cody liked it, but I don't really remember. And Cody's usually wrong about most things. So probably, probably. But I, I actually don't think so. I think he I think he liked well, the we idea. We were right. Either way. We were right, but I think yeah. unfortunately Cody was might may have been on the right side of history as well. Okay. I'll, yeah. I'll accept. Okay. Look, longtime listeners of Gear 30 know that you really love Scotch. I have not come around to calling myself somebody who loves scotch. Um, but what we've done here today, you gave me we're a homework. We're building a bridge. We're, we're maybe building a bridge. We're going to see how we're this goes. You gave me a homework assignment. You told me to pick up two different, do we say two different scotch or two different scotches? Is it like deer, deers? You just say scotch deer? Scotch whiskeys? Two different, yeah, but what scotch if you just want to say scotches. scotch? Well, we Scotches? can that as well. We're right literally now. recording, Matt, so I think we can... Is it scotch or scotches? I'll accept both. Uh, but what does, what's the right... In, I don't care what you would accept. Well, scotch, historically, scotch meant anything made in Scotland. Oh. Like if it was of Scottish origin, Just, it that's was it. scotch. And obviously, it's become to, to really be associated with scotch whiskey. Oh, whiskey so we're just shorthanding it. Yeah. So the only thing that really that we recognize as scotch today is a type of whiskey made in Scotland. Look at you coming in strong already, um, dropping science in this in this amateur hour. It's I, really. I didn't think we you were going to started. <laughs> I didn't think you were going to know the answer and you came with that and that was really good and helpful. I don't know if I answered your question though. Is it scotch or scotches or scotch? Well, if but scotches. If we've ta- if we've turned a modifier into a noun. So it used to be like no one says like Oh, you make scotch? And it's like, yeah, I make Scottish knives. That's mm-hmm. not a thing. It's just... So, I think... Anymore. Could have been. Well, but there's... I'm sure lots, there's Scottish knife issues. makers, but they don't say... If someone's like, what do you I do? They scotch. don't say I make they don't scotch. Say I don't make scotch. Mm-hmm. But if you're Single in Scotland and you ask a scotch maker, what do you do? They would say... either. Do they say I make scotch or I make whiskey? Probably just whiskey to them. Hmm. Don't know. We should go up there and ask them. <laughs> I was going to say, we could just ask somebody to write in, but you want to go to Scotland to ask this question. It sounds like it's the best way to get to the, the bottom of it. Okay, let's, let's go back to my homework assignment. In preparation mm. for this podcast, mm. you told me to go buy two bottles of scotch. We'll do it that way. So, yeah. And I have done that. They're sitting next to me. I have not opened these. Um, so, do you want to... 
talk about one? Do you want to say a bit about both? Do you want to just tell me which you would like me to start with? Well, first, I think let's tell people or let's just get into wh- your whiskey likes and dislikes first, right? And kind of that's how I honed in on these two. Okay. These weren't randomly picked. I believe you. Um, yeah. So you're a fan of, of bourbons and rye whiskeys. Mm-hmm. And in past conversations, you had mentioned you didn't like scotch. And I'm like, okay, well, why don't you like scotch? That's kind of a, that's a big general statement. Let's parse that out a little bit. And you're like, well, I don't like the smokiness of scotch. The, the smoky kind, the peated kind, isn't the majority of what constitutes scotch whiskey. Isn't even the majority? No, by far not. Hmm. Yeah. So, but it becomes known, you know, when you're in a bar and people are like, oh, let's do a shot of tequila or something. Like, there's usually a type that gets associated with bar drinking, right? And if you're out and people are like, oh, have you ever had scotch before? Maybe they gravitate to one of the ones that is just going to like freak you out, you know, to a non-scotch drinker. By the and way, I'm going to- what you've exposed to. I'm going to interrupt you. Do you want to tell me which I should start with so I can start in pour, on your- Pour the Aaron. Okay. Well, pour both. You have two glasses, right? I have two glasses because I'm a you professional. I don't think you'll confuse the two. Okay. I hope not. But uh, I have two differently shaped glasses when I'm doing this just so I don't become- I have like perfect. proper- These That's are supposed good. to be not... fancy, absolute, absolutely shaped glasses for whiskey tasting. That's what, I, that's what you're looking at here. Screw right. your amateur hour. I'm coming full pro, Matt Manzer. It's not a Glencairn, but that's like the pro glass. That's this. That's a different people, but, shape. And these makers, yeah. I think it's called Norlin or Nolan. Mm-hmm. They, they claim this is better what I'm holding than what you're holding. Just for the record. Oh, the Serious Lord, like glasses. M- crap Uh-oh. talking. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. All right. I've poured one. I'm pouring the other. What do you want me to start drinking? Or do you not want me to? Um, I think this you, is going great you can for start me. drinking the Aaron. Okay. And we'll start there, but let it sit for a few minutes because we'll discuss why that's important too. Okay. Poured. Now back to the lovely story you were telling about my whiskey preferences or something. Because you like bourbons, let's focus on that for a second. A bourbon tends to be on the sweeter, yep. vanilla flavored, sometimes marshmallowy. Like there's a lot of sweetness associated with bourbon. It's not smoky. It's not, doesn't taste like liquid campfire, right. for example, right? right? It's a very sweet um, smell and taste, generally speaking. And the whiskeys that I've told you to get that I'm also trying on my side of the pond are in that same kind of vein. They're on the sweeter side. We'll go into what makes these two very different in a little bit here, but neither of these are peated. Neither of these taste like campfire. So if you are a bourbon drinker, these are the whiskeys I would, the scotches that I would suggest we start with. Yeah. Okay. And these will be similar. When you were here in January of you know early this year, these are going to be reminiscent of what you had had then and, and liked. Okay. By the way, should also say, I do like rye whiskeys, which don't have that sweeter finish like a bourbon, but there's mm-hmm. no smoke or campfire. I like my campfires in the campfire, not in my glass. Don't mix campfires. No, yep. no. 
It's like, I like strawberries. You like your food on the plate. They don't touch like they're, you're separate. Oh no, no, no. I don't care at all about that. I don't care. I never, but the way I eat Matt, there's usually only one thing on my plate. This is like a a veggie burger with no bun. Yes. On your plate. Yeah. So that's not really a problem, but like, I like strawberries, but I don't like strawberry ice cream. Like I don't. That's terrible. Okay. Well, I'm just saying I like campfires. I don't like campfire tasting drinks. I don't want smoke in the drink. It's just just one man's taste. There you go. Okay. So anyway. So, Scotch. We've already kind of touched upon that things made in Scotland, that's where it comes from, right? The word Scotch. Yeah. And um, what some people maybe are aware of if you've ever had a Scotch whiskey is that there are regions in Scotland that are known for make, producing like a general type of of scotch and there's generally five regions in scotland there's a region called campbelltown uh, a region called isla a region called lowland highland and Speyside. and these five regions generally have a distinct smell and taste to the the whiskeys they produce and even though I say that, there are glaring exceptions to that. That are, one of the exceptions is what you have uh, here today. Um, so, for example, um, Isla. If you look at it on paper, it looks like Islay. Mm-hmm. So don't call it Islay, everybody. It's pronounced Isla. Isla. Okay. This is a small island on the southwestern corner of Scotland, and it's known for producing the most peaty the most campfire style nope. of scotch whiskeys. However, one of the most, one of my favorite non-peated scotches is from a distillery called Bunahaben, and that's what you have here. Mm, I was about to say, you know, I'm, I'm out on you, Isla, and I will never visit you. But well, now, this, but this now maybe- This honestly kept me from trying Bunahaben gotcha. for a couple years because they say it's an Isla single malt scotch whiskey. And I'm like, no, nope. this island is actually so small that these four distilleries are like right next to each other. And that one would be very different from the other three that are classically known for making very peaty, smoky campfire style whiskeys uh, was very surprising to me. Hmm. So even though these regions tend to have a certain, you know, smell and taste to them, you should still try, you know, find what you like and don't really focus on the region. Okay. So much done. Another, you know, in those regions, the Speyside region, this is where by far the most distilleries are. It's a, a subset of the Highland region. And this is where the, the, the super producers of Scotch whiskey tend to be. All or almost all of them focus on non peated scotches. Again, some exceptions. There definitely are some peated scotches up there. Um, but you get brands like Glenfiddich. Uh, Glen Livet, McAllen. These are the three biggest producers um, of single malt Scotch whiskey, and they usually never have a peated variety. Hmm. Like they're all non-peated. Um, so yeah, while there are all these regions, it's kind of nice to see them on a map, but don't get fixated. So you're going to find a, a Scotch you like, and it may be from one or the other. And there's going to be some scotches you just love from that region and hate from that same region. 
When you talk about the map, do you mean like the map you literally have stuck to your refrigerator? That same map. Yeah. Like, that was a, a nice gift. Um, our, our marketing director um, is from the UK, another big scotch head. And uh, he gave me that um, one day. And I've just been obsessed with it ever since. That's all I look at. That's what qualifies Matt to be on amateur hour talking about scotch. You have to like you, you, I mean, everybody we have on amateur hour is definitely an amateur, but you got to have a little something, a little something that kind of locks in your like obsessive dork status of amateur. And I think for me, it was seeing your map of what do we just say? Distilleries? That's Scotland. Yeah. So it was a map the of Scotland. Map of Scotland and all of and the all distilleries. It has these regions mapped out and, you know, blocked, color blocked, right? And the cities are there. So you kind of have some reference. But what is really there, when you look in more detail, it's all the distilleries that have ever existed in Scotland. Hmm. And you would think you're looking at like towns. <laughs> it's so many. Yeah. <laughs> over, <clears throat> Turns over out. Over the centuries. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty crazy. Hmm. Um, Do you just, I just yeah. want you to know, we've been recording for 16 minutes. I haven't taken a sip of anything. So in a way, I you guess, get on that. well, you just won't shut up and you, or tell me, you told me don't well, drink. If I'm or, talking, that's when you can drink. You told me to wait. It, now you can go. Well, sure what do you, go. okay. So we pronounce this Aaron, A-R-R-A-N, Aaron yep. Tenure. Yep. So this is a, I, um, so this is a near Campbelltown, another island in the southwestern part of, of Scotland. Um, this is a non-peated aged in bourbon barrels. Mm. So ex-bourbon barrels. These, these oak barrels have had bourbon in them previously. And now there's been 10 years of their spirit inside this bourbon barrel. Right. And this is a 46% alcohol or 92 ABV. Yeah. Both of these are on the higher side within scotch um so 46 percent, and we'll get to why that's a kind of a magic number that you want to see and you can see on the on the bottle um they've got some tasting notes they've got um a few call outs like they say non-chill filtered natural color there's an age statement there's a few things that we're going to explain here like what does all this stuff mean and, and why it is meaningful to people uh, because when you look at a even in a supermarket that sells scotch whiskey, it's like looking at all the wine. It's like, what, where do I go from here? Mm -hmm. Right. And part of what I hope to achieve today is just to shed some clarity on what to look for and what to avoid. So you can get the most out of your money when you buy uh, a scotch whiskey, because some can get ridiculously expensive. Mm. Yeah. Absurd. Yeah. From here, talking about scotch whiskey, we're going to be focusing today on single malts as opposed to blended scotch whiskey. And there's a big difference as to, to what really makes the, a single malt stand out from a blend. And when you look at the scotch whiskey market in general, single malt comprises only about 10% of all scotch whiskey that's sold. Hmm. The vast majority, all the rest really, are types of blends. And what a blend could be, um, and what it mainly is, is a company goes to various distilleries and they say, I want to buy some of this whiskey, I want to buy some of that whiskey, some of this. 
and they mix it. They literally blend it together to create their version of uh, a Scotch whiskey. So like Johnny Walker, for example, is a blend. And so Johnny Walker doesn't produce any whiskey on their own. Mm-hmm. Just within the, the family of whiskeys that, that they own or are owned by, by their parent company, their master blenders, literally what they're called, will go and travel to each of these distilleries, picking certain types of whiskeys from this distillery, that distillery, and putting it together um, to create what they think is the best type of whiskey. And a single malt, the biggest difference here is that a single malt comes from a single distillery. Doesn't Not, mean it necessarily comes from a single cast. Right. So it still can be blended per se, but it's got to be from a single distillery. Correct. Okay. So Aaron, what we're drinking, an Aaron 10-year-old right here, um, big letters, it says single malt scotch whiskey right on the front of the bottle, right? So the first thing we know is um, this is from one distillery, Aaron. We don't know how many different casks are blended into this. They don't tend to reveal that recipe. That's kind of like their secret, generally speaking. But first and foremost, this is coming from one distillery in Scotland. And I guess that's kind of a good segue into the the real rules that have to be in place for making a single malt scotch whiskey, right? Because bourbons have rules they have to hit to qualify to be bourbon or Kentucky straight bourbon, for example, even more specific or bottled in bond. It's even more specific than that. So we talk about single malt Scotch whiskey. The first and obvious thing is that things are made in Scotland, right? We can't have Irish whiskey coming into this or any German whiskeys coming up. Um, so it's a made in Scotland from 100% malted barley. So there's no mash bill here. There's no mixture of grains. Corn, rye, etc. Right. Yeah, exactly. Yep. So a single malt Scotch whiskey has to be comprised 100% malted barley. And there can be different barleys within that. And there are strains of barleys that certain distilleries really focus on because of the flavor associated to them, et cetera, et cetera. But it's always going to be 100% malted barley. And they're also distilled in copper pot stills. So they can't make them out of steel or anything. They have to be made out of copper. Another point is that this new make spirit, so what the distillery actually produces, has to enter the cask below 94.8% ABV. Say that again. The new make spirit that this distillery has produced has to go into the cask below 94.8% ABV. Hmm. And it's usually around 70-ish. 94 is insanely high. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but that's it. Because we're going to get a bump in the law. We're going to we're going to get a bump. Get, it's it's going to well it's going to get less over time. Oh, s- sorry, you said 70%. It's like se- yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. At ni- I mean, yeah. so yeah, 94.8 where it basically moonshine. <laughs> right? Yeah. When you drink that you're yeah, going to go blind. Yeah. So don't um Thanks for that public. Yeah, thanks for that public service announcement. Yeah, PSA: Don't drink it at ninety-four point eight percent ABV. But as you'll see, most distilleries they want to have some flavor attached to that spirit. It's just not pure jet fuel. Wait, you just messed up. You just Hmm. said, "Damn it!" Now I'm confused. You just said, "Don't drink it at ninety-four ABV." 
you should have said, don't drink it at 94%. That's what I said, isn't it? Percent ABV. Well, okay. You're conflating, I feel like. Don't, you're, I'm not gonna, I, won't, I won't speak in proofs. Yeah. Okay. I'll just speak in ABVs. Okay. Today. What's so. the, should we clarify? Does everyone know? This is just really a test for you to see how sober you are. Proof versus what? ABV. Give There's me- three types of proof. There's the British proof, French proof, and there's a U.S. proof. And the the U.S. proof is essentially double the percentage. So if you're at 50% ABV, it's 100 proof. French proof, it's one to one. So the percentage ABV is the proof. And if you go into the UK, here's where it gets super weird. I don't know the formula off the top of my head, but um, it it is not an easy conversion the way the U.S. and the French are. The fact that you we'll, knew we'll that a, there, oh, a little footnote. I, the fact mm-hmm. that you knew that there were three types of proof, I feel like disqualifies you from being on Amateur Hour. I think we might have to end this conversation and, uh, and just do a Gear Thirty. Well, um. I just have to find somebody else <laughs> who knows less about Scotch and proofs than you. But um, so like uh, there's a company, um, yeah, some of the, some of the scotches, they, they list the UK proof that the British proof on their bottle still. And it, uh, I have to look it up because now I feel stupid. But um, before they knew the percentage of alcohol by volume, they would perform a test to see if it could to burn it a certain way. And if it did, then they knew it was meeting the the minimum or it was too high or something like that but the generally accepted um proof tends to be more the u.s one because mm-hmm. it's just you double the abv mm-hmm. but i'll just speak with abv for the most part so if you hear me throwing out number like alcohol content it'll be by volume by volume alcohol by volume okay mm-hmm. so this new make spirit goes into the casks the casks have to be made from oak of some kind. So we'll store it in those oak casks for at least three years. And the cask cannot be bigger than 700 liters, <laughs> which is big. Yeah. And this will be, this is important because <laughs> depending on the cask size, you're going to see um, different flavor profiles and different maturation rates of, of the scotch. Um, so we'll come back to that in a second. I wonder why they decided on 700 liters as opposed to 500 liters or 800 liters. Well, cause these casks come like when they're buying casks from port manufacturers or whatever, sometimes these casks are gigantic. So, and well, in the 1800s, 18th century, even. A 700 liter cask. There's no forklifts back then. <laughs> that thing's heavy. <laughs> so they 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 put you know? a cap at 700 liters for like worker protection, dude. This we well, should they could just move it around. Yeah, we we should know. start just our hard. own distillery in Scotland, and we'll call it Mega Scotch, and we'll do all ours in like thousand liter barrels, and just tell well, people it's better. Here's why. We'll, we'll get to why that's a bad idea. Okay. So. The board just kiboshed that for okay. you right now. Right. We'll get to it though. So it's going into oak casks for a minimum of three years. 
And when it comes time to get bottled, it cannot be bottled below 40% ABV. That's the minimum uh, strength that you're going to see single malt scotch whiskeys bottled at, which is different from vodkas and rums that can dip into the 30s. So here you're going to see every scotch whiskey is a minimum 40%. And you, these distilleries cannot add any flavoring and they cannot add any sweetening agents to it. Only what the cask gives to the spirit um, is what's allowed. However, as we'll see, and this is one of the things you're going to be looking for, everybody, um, is if they've added uh, food coloring to it to kind of cover up some of the mistakes they've made along the way. I don't like that. So one of the things that a really cool you know, bonus point that bourbon has going for it is that written into the requirements of bourbon is that you can't add this flavoring or sweetening agents, but also you can't add food coloring. So it should be. So all, all bourbon is natural colored. Um, this is why but, bourbon is better than scotch. And in every alcohol, to be honest, because wines allow for food coloring. Yeah, it's not right. Cognacs allowed for food coloring, rums, vodkas, almost every type of spirit allows for some kind of food coloring to be added. But as you'll see, and what's in the two bottles that I gave you, when a brand, when a distillery is proud of the, the creation that they've made, mm -hmm. they call it out, they say natural color because the casks that they're using are of such high quality that you get the, the look, the optic that you're wanting to see. And when you use really tired old casks that have just been used over and over and over again, um, it's when you get whiskeys that look, don't look dark, for example, and people say, oh, a darker whiskey, that's better. Hmm. Right? Hmm. So um, we're getting a little ahead of ourselves, but for the most part, quick recap. We're going to be, to be qualifying as a single malt scotch whiskey, we're made in Scotland from 100% malted barley. It's distilled in copper part stills at one distillery. It enters the cask at 94.8% ABV maximum. or less. Usually, yeah, or less. Usually, Usually much. 70-ish, yeah. right? It's aged in oak casks for a minimum of three years, no larger than 700 liters. It's bottled at a minimum of 40% ABV with no flavoring or sweetening added to it. You do those things and you're 99% of the way. There's other requirements in the, in the legalese, but those are the main ones that give you an idea of what's going on. I want to go to Scotland. We'll open up a distillery. But then we're just going to make a bunch of weird rules and restrictions on things like mm -hmm. no one. And then we'll just make up the name of our new beverage. But like one of the things is like n shoes cannot be worn inside the distillery for one. And then another for safety reasons. Yeah. Uh, well, no, just because that's the way it is. And then, you know, a thousand years from now, we'll be heralded as these pioneers and they're like, yeah, well, the founders, and then there'll be all these like new reasons that come up for why we were adamant that no shoes could be worn in the distillery. You know, like that's how, that's like how you develop cult-like status. You think that's how we're going to get there? <laughs> yes. <laughs> that in our thousand liter casks. Thousand liter casks. And no footwear allowed inside the age. distillery. Yeah. yeah. Okay. And then we got it. By the end of this conversation, I feel like we'll have thought of the name for this new beverage type toeless <laughs> okay yeah, the, <laughs> all right keep going 
All right. Um, By the way, you have not even asked me what I think of the Aaron 10, nor have you, nor have I tried the other one. I feel like you're not good at this. That. Well, I'm letting it just kind of do its thing. All right. God, you want me to just shut Bear up? I'll just Bear hit mute me and you bring me in in like two hours when you're Bear done lecturing. Me. You'll be in your, like your team meeting and I'll be talking <laughs> just to nobody. Yeah. I just, I think this so. one is. All right. Um, how do you like your Aaron, by the way? Oh, thank you for asking. Uh, <laughs> it's good. Um, easy start, fairly sweet mm-hmm. start. And then there's a big finish. Like it, yep. it takes a while to get there. But this thing mm-hmm. comes up pretty big. There's a there's a punch. Is, you can tell even though this. So when you look at well, um, scotches, you know, like ski boots. Good analogy here. Mm. Age statements are a huge thing people really focus on for some valid reasons and some not so valid reasons. Um, a ten year old single malt Scotch whiskey would probably be regarded as a beginner low end whiskey. Right, more more years in the cask is better than less years typically, and what Aaron has done here for a ten-year-old single malt, this punches way above its age stated age range, hmm. and you can tell that they're using super good casks hmm. to mature this scotch in. So they spent a lot of money on finding one really high quality casks um, and taking the time to one first make their their spirit in a very controlled, optimized way. Um, they're very finicky about the casks they've used, and you get that on the smell of it. You know, you get you when you smell this whiskey, you're like, "Wow, this is something that's kind of enjoyable." It, it doesn't smell like you know, you know, Jameson or Johnny Walker Red Label that just smells like turpentine. You know, um, you're getting notes of vanilla, white fruit. You know, like. Um, and then when you taste it, you know, like even on the bottle here, let's just look at this. Um, soft vanilla and coconut character, citrus fruit freshness, orchard fruits and hazelnuts. That's what they say this should smell and taste like. I taste no coconut. Yeah. Well, you're a beginner. You just started your scotch whiskey journey here. So, By the way, I just thought of another fantastic business idea. You can have this mm-hmm. one for free. You guys at Atomic should start putting some of your ski boots in fine casks and then you can have the barrel aged ski boot line and they'll smell better and maybe be a little darker. You can have that one for free. Barrel aged ski are, boots. Are you sure you haven't been drinking all morning? <laughs> yep. Okay. Uh, that's a good idea. And I, I'm going to write that down. Here, put, watch me write this down. Okay. Put like 12 pairs in nice barrels just somewhere in your headquarters over there pop those out put them for put them up for 2500 bucks a pair guarantee you'll blow through them you can pocket the profits you're welcome barrel aged ski I'll boots talk, have talked to wolfgang on monday exactly say hi to wolfgang for me by the way <laughs> i like that guy um i'm just saying have you ever heard of a company putting out a barrel aged ski boot uh yeah yeah sure no you haven't um, no you haven't you're welcome there we one go. of us is here innovating and making the world better i don't know what you're just lecturing about you droning on so and on it's like a living wikipedia page a shoeless distillery mm-hmm. and aging ski boots and barrels yeah that's what i've got so okay. far 
Maybe I'll catch up. Maybe I just need to catch up. Yeah. I'm not there yet. Okay. Where are we going? Oh, talking about Aaron, 10 year old. Nice cast. You were saying the finish. There. Yeah. You know, the, you're like, wow, this is a really strong finish. It's yeah. very oily. It, it, it's, it stays around in your mouth for a while. And again, a mark of a, a good spirit in a good cask. All these things kind of coming together. And while we're on that topic of age statements, again, we're going to see <clears throat> to be a single malt, it's a minimum of three years in some oak cask, right? But I've never seen a a single malt with the, a three-year age statement on a bottle. I haven't come across it. A Isla distillery called Ardebeg, again, campfire, smoky. They had a, a recent whiskey called the Wee Beastie. The Wee Beastie? Five year, it was a five-year age statement. It's an amazing name. Right? I love the that. The Wee Beastie. Yeah. Yeah. And um, super high quality, mm. the good stuff good casks and they could put it out at five years. And again, it's going to, it'll, what this will mean to you, the listener is that it's going to smell and taste a little spirity because the, the longer that your, your spirit is in the cask, it's really being matured by the wood. It's being softened, softened. Yep. Yep. So when you get these 12, 15, 20, you know, 40, 50, 60 now year old whiskeys, the longer they're in the cask, the less bite that these tend to have and more flavor mm. while still being very alcoholic. Mm -hmm. It's not <laughs> reducing the amount of out. It's not reducing the amount of alcohol. It's mellowing things. Generally. Yes. So the longer a spirit stays in a cask, it is being mellowed, but the ABV is also going down a bit. Okay. This is what's called the angel share. Oh yeah. So yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. So if it's going into the cask at 70 something percent, why are cask strength whiskeys at 55 or 60, right? And so there's a little bit of evaporation um, or just the, the spirit is somehow getting out of the cask. And this is what they call the angel share. So you're left with um, a, a drink that an alcoholic drink that has less alcohol in it than when it started. Okay. Right? Yeah. So sometimes, these whiskeys that are 50, 60 years old are barely making the, the minimum 40% ABV by that point. If McAllen had a 100-year-old scotch that they were hoping to sell for a million dollars a bottle, which this brand is just absurdly expensive, um, but let's just say at, even at cask strength, no water added to it, it was at 39%. They would not be allowed to sell it as a single malt scotch whiskey they'd sell it as something what would they sell it as a lot of money um a distillery special whiskey got, yep. you know something like yeah. that right um got to get it out of that cask and somebody would pay for it yeah you would it's uh, <clears throat> insane what what some of these whiskeys are going for got to get it out um, of that cask before the angels drink up all the juice monch it all yeah angels be <laughs> monching that 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 whiskey <laughs> So sometimes, um, you ever like met a Aaron's drunk a angel? Example. I haven't dude all the time. Oh my God. They're the best. That's not true. You've met <laughs> some drunk, well, non-angels. Um, um, okay. Every brand, especially if you're a newer distillery, Aaron has only been around for, I want to say the early nineties. Huh. So they're a very new distillery in yeah. the grand scheme of, yeah. um, 
scotch whiskey. So when these distilleries are starting out, they're like, okay, great. I guess we'll see you in 10, 12 right, years, right? Right. Before we make any money, they still need to make some kind of, have some kind of income. So instead of producing a whiskey with a seven year age statement, they just don't put an age statement on it. Yeah. So they still brand a single malt scotch whiskey. So you know, it's at least three years old, but they usually charge a little less for it. Because they're kind of hiding that that fact. Because if you said, "Oh, why would I pay seventy five bucks for a seven year old whiskey when the ten year old, the, the official age statement that they start their range with, is fifty, right? It's less." And this is what you see: you see some non age statements with a higher price tag than an age statement whiskey. And there's a few reasons for this. Part of it is um, the age statement that's on the bottle. That's the minimum, the youngest whiskey that's in there. Yep. So Aaron might actually have a 20-year-old whiskey in here as part of their blend. I doubt it. But if if they have a single drop of 10-year-old in this, it is called, it, the age statement is 10 years. So the age statement reflects the youngest whiskey in the in the bottle in the batch. Generally speaking, brands don't do this, but sometimes, as as you'll see, casks can vary. You're going to get real vintages from year to year just because the casks are different. And a lot of these brands want to have consistency, right? So Aaron wants to produce, you love this 10-year-old, you want to buy it in two years, it's going to taste the same and feel the same in your mouth as it did two years ago. Really hard to do. So sometimes they just get a weird, funky cask. It's good, high quality, but it doesn't have the same flavor profile that they'd had before. So they have to add some 15-year-old to it just to kind of lift the the caliber of mm-hmm. that smell and taste to what they're known for. Mm. So even though they might be adding 15 to it, if there's a drop of 10 in there, it's 10 years old on the label. And this kind of raises some questions when we get into cask sizes because Let's just say we started to make our shoeless distillery special using thousand liter casks. Yeah. Right? Awesome. Mm-hmm. The amount of wood that is in this cask compared to the alcohol on the inside, there's a big disparity here. And it's going to take a lot longer for the wood to mature this gigantic volume of spirit compared to a smaller cask. That's not great. So there's. There's more interaction between the spirit and the wood in a smaller cask. Right, right. That checks out. So, so if you've got in a, you know, when you get these, um, like this Air and Ten, they're using a lot of bourbon barrels. A barrel is actually a size of cask. It's about 250 liters. A sherry cask coming out of Spain tends to be around 500 liters. So. If you use these larger casks, it takes more time to to mature the spirit so it tastes good. So if I'm using a really small cask, like a quarter cask, this is 125 liters, really small. 10 years in a quarter cask is going to taste way better than 10 years in a thousand liter cask. All right. I'm changing our, I'm changing our business model up then. It's all quarter casks from here on out. No, I think we go to like <laughs> one liter casks. So 
if you look on do like a Google search of like cask sizes, yeah. some of these have really fun names. You've got the a five hundred liter cask is called a butt. <laughs> B-U-T-T. Okay. So sherry butts are used uh in whiskey maturation. Um port pipes is a little bit smaller cask. P- wait, pork a pipe. Pork pipes? Port. Port pe- port, port. Like okay. Port wine. Yeah. Yep. Um, then you go smaller is like a hogshead is the name of a cask. So sometimes you might see on the bottle matured in sherry hogsheads for 10 years. This is kind of a, a sign to me that even though it's only 10 years old, it's actually going to taste pretty good because there's more wood interacting with the volume of spirit that's there. So sometimes an age statement is a good thing. But if but you, you don't have know, to look at the cask size. Yeah, as well. man, you're really you get a plus one for this. This is good. This has really info. good info. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. But what's the smallest standard cask size out there? Because we're gonna then go half the size of that. Like we're <laughs> gonna have this. We got. I've gone the opposite direction. We we can fill up like thim, we'll make thimbles, like thimble size little wooden casks, and just put our juice in there. I think the angels share would just evaporate that. Oh, the angels, those damn angels. <laughs> like, damn That's immediately angels. Okay. What's Drunken the sm- angels. Yeah. What's the smallest cask? You typically see a 50 liter cask. It's called an octave. That's cool. So you got a quarter cask at 125. You have an octave at 50. And what these brands will do, these distilleries will do is they're going to, we're going to age it in a butt for 10 years. Okay. Standard size sherry butt. But then we're going to finish it in octaves for one year. Octave is a great so it word. speeds up. I like yeah, that. Pretty cool. I like that. Um, when you see this, it, it tends to be really expensive because they have to, these distillers have to invest in, they got one 500 liter butt and they're going to have to have now 10 octaves to, to put it all in. Mm-hmm. Right. So um, they're coopers. Like the people that make the casks are called coopers. Still a trade in in Scotland. It's amazing. To actually put all this stuff together yeah. the right way. You know, it, there's just a way higher labor cost associated with this kind of stuff, mm-hmm. right? And so there's just more time to produce it. Blah 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 blah. So anything in these smaller casks is just way more expensive, right? But that's so, what we're doing because we only care about quality. We care about right? being quality and being barefoot. What exactly all day? Yeah. What a quality. So quarter cask is kind of the standard. Is the smallest standard size cask you've I, come I across? Would say American Barrel is the normal smallest. Well, okay, we're saying normal use. Yeah, like that. That we're not going to invent when we come up with the smallest cask in the world. But but what what's the, my standard? The normal current smallest. I would, run? I would say an octave. The fifty and there. Yeah. Okay. There's probably smaller and like I'm seeing some stuff that uh, I have seen like a 30 liter cask. Um, okay. I think they call them blood tubs. No, actually. that's not true. Is it? Yeah. 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 Blood tubs. This is absolutely yeah. my favorite part of our entire conversation. I've been pretty yeah. out on the rest of it. I love the like, <laughs> and since I, you know, I'm still kind of thinking maybe scotch drinkers happen to be among the most pretentious of the drinkers, like there's beer drinkers and some of them are pretentious and those people are awful, but like whiskey drinkers, whatever, there's such a range. 
Scotch maybe is in the running for most pretentious. But so now I'm going to be like, when I go to parties, I think wine drinkers are way more. They pretentious probably, than probably, um, yeah. unless you count all the like drunk soccer moms out there that are just trying to get through the day with like their five dollar ninety nine bottles of Franzia. Yeah, but anyway, when I, now bottle. what I like, I gotta go to like a holiday party tonight. And if, mm-hmm. if beverages come up and if people are like, you like scotch, I'm going to be like, well, I only like scotch f- like made in octaves. And then they'll be like, well, that guy knows what he's like. Apparently he knows what he's talking about. How do you like that? That was the sound of me refilling here. I heard that. Yeah. You were doing the Buna, Buna, Buna Bon. Buna Haben. Buna Haben. You, again, we'll you didn't there. even ask me. I, I've spent a lot of money on this, Matt. Getting these I'm bottles in, you haven't even yeah. asked me what I think of the Bunahaben. We're about to get there. All right. Hold on. Just, if anybody has ever listened to our conversations, we do not have quick conversations. I told you I have a We're cutoff. slow burn. We're the slow burn, but it's <laughs> worth it. Right? Here we go. Matt, Matt's, so. Matt's assuring you that his droning on is worth it. I like that. I like that that just happened. Promise you, it'll be good. So, we talked about cask size right let's talk about cask contents or types i don't know i don't know what to call it you could do virgin oak so you could cut down an oak tree let the wood dry out and just make a cask out of virgin oak happens it's not super common what the scotch whiskey industry tends to do is they they gravitate to a cask that has had a previous content in it, like a bourbon barrel, like a sherry cask or a port pipe, a Madeira cask, red wine cask, all these things that they have the the oak flavor that's going to get imparted into it, but also the the previous content is soaked into the wood, right? And these are going to give you very different flavor profiles into the scotch. So when you have a bourbon barrel, you tend to get these lighter colored scotches, so these kind of light golden colors mm-hmm. to them. And you have notes of vanilla, uh, white fruit, grapefruit, um, barley sugar, you know, things that tend to kind of encapsulate this. And that's what that Aaron 10 pretty much has. Yeah. If you go to the Bunahaben that's here, so Bunahaben again is from Isla. And Isla is known for making super smoky, peated whiskeys. And Bunahaben is not that at all, generally. They're a core range. They do make some peated things because, again, they're from Isla. Um, but they, they state on, the, on the, uh, the carton that this comes in, it just says unpeated, like straight up mm-hmm. on the side of it. This is matured primarily in bourbon barrels. and then Just like same moved- as the Aaron. Yep, but it's moved into sherry casks. So there's much more sherry influence into the Bunahaben. And what this gives you is kind of more of a gingerbread Christmas cake, dried fruit um, spiciness. So there's more of a ginger spice to it. Definitely spicier. Yeah. Some people, depending on which whiskey you're getting, there's notes of chocolate, dried fruit, dates. this is my favorite scotch. I, generally speaking, as a Bunahaben 12. 
Um, it's just got a really great flavor profile that just, I think, just tastes and smells awesome. And for the record, you do these both neat all the time, never adding water or ice? Well, I don't ever add ice, but whatever you want to do, do your thing. Adding water to scotch is actually a really important step that I think people should experiment with. Okay. We talked about this a little bit at the conversation mm-hmm. we had at like 5 a.m. in Austria. Are you ready to go there or I don't want you to jump your little order of Wikipedia? Uh, the order doesn't matter. Okay. We'll, just, we'll send it here. Okay. Do you are mad so, at me? I don't have like the little water dropper thing. You know so, what you should get me for Christmas? Since I gave Atomic the idea of barrel-aged ski boots and you're going to... Oh, this is... I should. I should send you something for that. Yeah, the right? water something thing. very meaningful. Okay. Yeah. yeah. I'll send you an eyedropper. Is that just all it is? Like you just go to Walmart and get a normal... Well, you don't even need that. You just use a teaspoon. Oh, you just need... A five milliliter teaspoon. I don't know if I own one of those. It's a small spoon. You have a tablespoon, a teaspoon. All right. I'll just use a normal spoon and just put an So No, 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 no. (laughs) The reason... (laughs) Okay, first off, we talked about minimum ABV, 40%, right? This is the bare minimum that scotch whiskey gets bottled at. This is my teaspoon, Matt. I have some melted ice. Wait. Yeah. I'll fucking slap you through the internet if you do that. I'm going to do that. I I want (laughs) to see what it's like with water and you didn't send me a teaspoon. A little bit goes a long way. Really. (laughs) So, let me tell you why why we're going to add water to this. Okay? So, these whiskeys that you've ordered are 46%. So, a little bit higher ABV Mm -hmm. than the bare minimum. This is for a couple reasons. One of them is that you can add water to the whiskey. Just do a couple drops. I'm trying. Don't make me nervous. I'm stressed right now. I'm watching. I'm watching you. Okay. That was more so, than probably a drop, but Okay. But when I have a, a normal sized dram, you've got about, you know, uh four centimeters, like a double shot, let's just say. If you add a teaspoon of water to this, obviously it's gonna reduce the ABV. But the reason these whiskey makers are putting it at 46% or higher is because alcohol traps flavor. So a higher, a higher proof, a higher ABV has more flavor in the bottle. And when you add water to it, it's breaking this up. And now it's going to taste different to you. You're going to get more flavor out of this. Even after you add the water? Yes. Because you do it right 100%. at the point of drinking. Well, you add the water, give it a little roly-poly, a little swirl, you know, and in these glasses, you'll actually start to see it get a little hazy. So both of these whiskeys are natural color, so there's no E150 colorant added to it, and they're non-chill filtered, like a non-filtered beer, right? If you look at the, do you have the, the air in packaging with you still? It's upstairs. It's upstairs? I can read it for you. If okay, you want. yeah. So even on the back of the Aaron uh, packaging here, they say, we never add caramel, that's E150 colorant, artificial coloring, or strip flavor out using chill filtration. Hmm. And so chill filtration is a (laughs) step that whiskey manufacturers do to their whiskey. When you add water or ice, it doesn't become cloudy. It looks clear and neat, right? But when you filter, so you basically distilleries reduce the temperature down to like almost near freezing and they push 
the whiskey through paper filters to strip out these oils and other, you know, contents of it that are giving the whiskey flavor. But when they strip this out, they're left with a whiskey that doesn't get cloudy with adding water or ice, but you get less flavor. And when you look at a Glenfiddich, you look at a Glenlivet, a Macallan, if they don't say unchill filtered on the bottle, you can pretty much bank that they've chill filtered the whiskey. So if you look at your Aaron, yep. right at the top, what's it say? Well, I only have the actual bottle. It yeah, says right non-chill filtered, natural and color. Boom. Man, so Aaron's not playing around. It's no. like, screw you, distilleries that are... Also, I have to say this because I've been biting my tongue for a long time. Third idea coming from this. When we start our, our uh, Electronica band... Definitely mm-hmm. the name is chill filtration. They're unchill filtered. No, it's chill filtration. Mean. And people won't know. That's just That's bad. That's I know it's stupid. bad. Well, our band's gonna be bad. Yeah. Yeah. But okay. Alright, but chill filtration is the bad one. We yeah, want look at the Bunahaben. We want unchill. Which well, actually a lot of people have called me unchill. I mean, every distillery is gonna filter their whisker whiskey. You don't want bits of barrel. That's our other idea. No, we're going to be unfiltered. Unfiltered octave barrel barefoot. Dang. We'll have bits of the barrel. Bits of the barrel and barefoot. Yeah. Bits of the barrel in there. You're like, drink. And then it's like, then people are going to the emergency room because they got like splinters in their throat. But that's when we're like, we'll try to get that added to the spot insurance coverage. Barrel splinters. Barrel sprinters in the throat. Sprinters. Yeah. (laughs) <laughs> it started everybody it's about to end cue, cue the downward spiral okay um, Bunahaben look at the label it probably the says bottom. made from swill at the bottom under the H statement um, natural color non-chill filtered yep so when brands do it or don't do it in this case they love to call it out yeah, they should. Because they're proud. They're really proud of their whiskey. Yeah. Right? They have a good spirit, good casks, and they don't want to fuck it up. So when you add water to this, um, it can get a little hazy. Or if you store it in a cooler spot, like in a basement, it can get a little hazy. That's fine. That's letting you know all the good oils that are in there are still there. And they haven't been taken out just for cosmetic reasons. So both of these whiskeys... Non-chill filtered, natural color. The Aaron is matured primarily in bourbon barrels. The Bunahaben is a mixture of bourbon barrels and sherry casks. And the next level of detail is how many times has this cask been filled yeah. before you got it? So the most expensive whiskeys are what are called first fill. So even <clears throat> though they've had bourbon in them before, it's the first time whiskey has gone into that barrel. It's going to be the most flavorful version of that whiskey. And coming back to a non-age statement, when you were here, you had um, one of my favorite whiskey distilleries, Tamdu. Yeah. Yeah. There was that Grand Reserva was the name of this. This was a non-age statement. Huh. There's no age statement associated with this whiskey, and it's 200 euros a bottle. (laughs) So they're, they're kind of, you have to place a lot of trust. Mm-hmm. into this distillery 
to not screw you over if there's no age statement here, right? But what they've done in all of their promising, at least, is they're like, this is 100% first fill sherry casks. You don't know what the age are, but as soon as you smell it and taste it, you're like, this is one of the best scotches I've ever had. Hmm. And it's a non-age statement. Yeah. So there's this little bit of, or yeah. a lot of, in this case, um, just trusting the distillery to not give you a young whiskey that tastes like yeah. moonshine. So what point. are your thoughts on that? So in the case of Tamdu, mm-hmm. they, and you correct me here, but they're not doing an age statement on this because they're trying to get as much flavoring from that first what are we calling it? The first well, filled cherry used, cask. Yeah, they might have used younger first fill smaller casks. Right? Yeah. This but, might be primarily 12-year-old octaves for all we know. But if they had a 12-year-old age statement on the bottle, no one's going to pay 200 euros for it. That's there's a big price value disparity between a young age statement yeah. and a super high retail price. So they've said, and I trust them here because I've had it. Yeah, it's good. All right. So they've said, we're going to take the age statement off because it's probably going to confuse people because we know that we've used super high-end casks. They're 100% first fill. We're saying that on the bottle. They do. And sorry, Tamdu does say first fill on that one? 100% exclusively first fill. Gotcha. Okay. Yep. Um, Unchill filtered, natural color, 46%. You know, we're hitting all of these like perfect, yes, you do it, yes, you do it, yes, you do it, but they don't put an age statement on it. So in my head, what this tells me is to produce however many thousands of bottles they did, they probably had a 10-year-old in there just to kind of fill it up a little bit, let's just say, and they've put in some 20-year-old, they've put in a 15-year-old octave, who knows what their Mm -hmm. actual recipe was for that batch. (laughs) But simply because they put in a 10-year-old, they just decided to keep the age statement off it, Yeah, for example. So this is the equivalent of when you go to like a fancy dinner and you just start ordering like the chef's menu and you're like, do your thing, chef. You do you. Mm -hmm. This is the best analogy ever and the Scotch world is welcome for me coming up with this analogy right now. Sure, no one ever else. You're just giving out so much good Dude, it's like I'm on fire right now. But but that's like that Tam Dew is kind of the chef's, it's like trust the chef. Mm -hmm. And they're like, we're not trifling with age statements here. We're badasses. We know what we're doing. Trust the chef. Let us cook. We're going to give you a fine beverage at the end of this. And this is what you have to just trust and buy into yeah right now one of one of the most pretentious brands in scotch whiskey mccallan how do we feel how do you personally feel about them cool or uncool cool or uncool generally uncool okay if you had a hundred well let's just say 200 bucks to spend there is a way better scotch than mccallan he's he's for the reasons that we're gonna we've kind of already touched on here McAllen tends to have a low ABV. They're 40 to 43%. They chill filter. Oh, not good. We don't like that, whiskey, except our band. But it is natural color. They oh. do take a lot of pride in their casks. But they're 18-year-old. So Aaron has an 18-year-old, 100% sherry-matured scotch. I can get it for... 85 to 90 euros. It's definitely more expensive in the States, mm-hmm. probably double, to be honest. 
McAllen's 18-year-old is 2,500 euros. Nope. And it's 43% and it's chill filtered. Nope. So for me, even if I wanted to spend 2,000 euros on a single bottle, there are some whiskeys that are light years better than McAllen. Wow. Matt Manzer, just yeah. talking shit, McAllen. But you've had some. I have, an, I have a bottle of their 18 here. It's really good. Okay. Wait. You probably don't remember it because you were jet lagged and we were pretty drunk, but you had it too. <laughs> Did you buy it or were you gifted it? I was gifted that from my wonderful girlfriend, Alba. Shout out to Alba. She's the best. Oh, man. I'm glad you said that now because I was about to make a joke about now when people receive McCallum for Christmas or something. No, she, she's great. When, when people buy the 12 or 15, those 12 and 15 are relatively attainable from a lot of people, mm -hmm. I would say, at least listening to this nerdy rant about whiskey. Um, still, if you were going to spend 100 bucks on whiskey, I would argue there's something better okay. out there for your money. Like a Bunahaben, for example. Bunahaben 12, I'll put up against Macallan 12 all day long. It's just a better smell, a better taste, a better mouthfeel, better presentation in terms of higher ABV, unchill filtered, all the, the good stuff we want to see on our checklist. Just, just to clarify, this Bunahaben, your favorite scotch at the moment. Daily driver. Like I've got some nicer things that we could go into well nicer but, or uh, more expensive those are two different things true i'll make the case if we stay within bunahaben or within Aaron, the 18s okay from both of these are amazing and are you always adding your little teaspoon to depends on the whiskey to the 12 so to the 12 i haven't seen you doing it in this call no so these two Aaron 10 bunahaben 12 i just drink neat okay I don't add ice. I don't add water. If somebody wants to, hey, it's your whiskey. Go for it. I added right. Yoohoo. How do you feel about that? I added a little chocolate milk. Reached through the internet and choked you okay. a little bit. I was just kidding. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but the but the like the Bunahaben so fifteen or Bunahaben twelve. That's cask strength. Oh, so this is a forty six percent ABV standard offer. Is the is the twelve? They also make the same batch, but cask strength just direct from the cask, meaning no water added. It's not watered down to a specific ABV. Whatever the cask provides, that's what you get. And that, in its most recent uh, vintage, is I think like 56%. For me, it's a little high. Mm -hmm. I, I always, when I try a new whiskey, I'll try it neat. And then I'll add a teaspoon. Yeah. A five, a standard, a proper size teaspoon is five milliliters. I wouldn't know because so you haven't given me one. Do you really need me to get you a teaspoon? Well, I just feel maybe? like it'd be nice. I mean, I, you're trying to convert me into being a scotch person. The least you could do is give me a tiny spoon. Don't you think? So, you're gonna about to get some new boots to review for Gear 30. Okay. Before you put the boot on, just make sure you open it up and take the teaspoon out. <laughs> Okay. I'm gonna stuff into the toe box. If if that doesn't actually happen, I I will never talk to you again. All right, you're gonna get a, a teaspoon. All right, jammed into your <laughs> brand new Hawks Ultra Extended. All right, one thirty. I almost certainly will Spoiler. forget and then jam mm -hmm. my foot in. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So anyway, okay, there that's nice. I'd appreciate that. So if you 
so you spent a lot of money on this whiskey. I would encourage people not to just throw ice or yeah. water into it randomly. Or you who. Or you who, generally speaking. <laughs> Measure out a pour and then take a standard teaspoon that is five milliliters, which they are, and you can add a teaspoonful of water and just see what that does. Because there's going to be some whiskeys, once you try enough, you're like, hey, well, that is a little bit more spirit driven than yeah. I'm accustomed to. I'm going to add some water, bring it down. You'll also notice the flavor profile will get more intense. So you're going to, you personally are in charge of the ABV at the end of the day, which is kind of cool. So with certain whiskeys, I know now that I, I don't need to add water to the Buna Haben 12. I do have to add water to the cask strength version, but the flavor is way more intense. Mm -hmm. So the cask strength 12 uh, over here is almost double the price. Just going cask strength. Mm -hmm. And Buna Hoppin says, you're going to get so much more flavor. It's worth it. We think this is worth it. Yep. And I don't know if it's worth double, but it's really freaking good. Hmm. It really is. Yeah. So I have a few bottles of Buna Hoppin 12 and I have a few bottles of Buna Hoppin 12 cask strength that I've got. Also because these prices are going up every year. Mm-hmm. And and not just because of the most recent events, but whiskey prices are going up faster than bikes prices for the most part. Half our listeners literally just had a heart attack. Yeah, it's crazy. So, um, yeah. Hmm. So when you can see something on sale or if you like something, I usually buy two, three, four bottles of it because yeah. I know the next time I buy it, it's probably going to be 30, 40% more expensive. All right. I need to hear your current podium. This isn't individual bottles. It's not individual years statements. Mm -hmm. Give me your top three. I guess I'll ask you just your personal favorites, not like the mm -hmm. objective answer to what are the three best current scotch makers in the world. I guess we'll just go, unless you want to do both, if there's different answers, but your top three personal distilleries. Okay. Distilleries. Companies, yeah, go, not yeah, bottles. Yeah. So, yep, distilleries, I'm going to go favorite is Tamdu. That's what I thought you'd say. Yep. So, Tamdu, if you haven't gathered this yet, we haven't really explained what peated means, but hopefully you understand. We it. just know it's trash. Just, it's really smoky. Peated means trash. Um, by the way, shout out to Benji Alexander. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, so, back when Benji was training for the Olympics, he was training two minutes from my house here in uh, Austria, yeah. Kirsteinhorn Glacier. And we had a couple nights together. Amazing guy. Um, big fan of Scotch whiskey. He only likes the peated campfire styles. He's dead to me. <laughs> and he doesn't like what you and I are drinking. It just doesn't jive with his palate, right? Mm. Um, so, Benji. Tamdu, yeah. No, that's fine. I, I stand by different... We all have different palettes. Right. So I can't for even. For him, for him, yeah. it was just the, the smokiness, the campfireness masks the, the spiritiness of the whiskey for him. And which I, I get, I actually feel that in the, in the whiskey. I just don't like the taste, you know, yeah. for me. So I'll have a few bottles of this kind of stuff for when people come over and that's what they like. Yeah. Um, but for me, um, I'm very much more into. Sherry matured, bourbon matured, non-peated 
scotch. Okay. And for me, my favorite distillery is Tamdu. Yeah. This is a Speyside distillery. Speyside is known for these sherry matured non-peated scotches, and they just make some some super banger stuff. Um, next to that, I would probably say Buna Haben and Aaron. Okay. Yeah. Just so um, not just these bottles you made me get, but like in general. If you were to start making a whiskey collection and you got the Aaron 10 and you jumped up, you got some of their um, non-age statements. So the Aaron makes a Corda cask, non-age statement, bourbon matured. Mm. Again, it's they, they, I've heard it's like seven years old actually, but it tastes way better than the 10. Huh. Because again, it's in a quarter cask. Yep. Size matters. So it's, it's one of the only times in the awesome. world where smaller is better. Right. Here you go. And it's quarter cask, and I think it's above 50%, like 52 or 55%. Huh. They also do a sherry, a sherried non-age statement, hogshead. Huh. So again, smaller cask, but they're keeping the age statement off because that would taint your- Chef's menu. Yeah. You know, chef's menu. Yeah. Um, and then they have, you know, they've got a port matured. They've got a Sauternes matured, like a really sweet wine from France matured uh, whiskey. And then you get into their other age ranges, like an 18, 21, 25. The 18 is kind of where I draw the line for me. Like- In terms of that, as a buyer. Just price. Just price. Right? For me, it's about 100 euros nowadays, like the- the new vintages that are coming out. Three years ago, it was 70. Last year, it was 90. And now it's like 100, 110. And the Aaron 18 is 100% sherry matured. So it's not like the 10-year-old. So if you, if you buy into a distillery, um, it's not always the case that when you go from 10 to 12 to 18, it's the same whiskey, just older. You kind of have to pay attention to these details of what cask type it was matured in and what it, its previous contents were. And the same for Buna Haben. Buna Haben goes 12, 12 cask strength, 18, 25, 30, 40. And it just kind of gets semi-astronomical. <laughs> Still, wait, you, can, you can either buy a Macallan 18. I'm not doing or that. A Buna, or a Buna Haben 40. <laughs> a 40-year-old Buna Haben. Wow. I'm, I'm, to be honest, I'm probably not doing either. I might, I might attempt to <laughs> steal right. one of those two things, but I'm probably not. But the Bunahaben 18, I will drink neat. Hmm. The Aaron 18, I add a little bit of water to. I just find that makes, for me, it just tastes better mm -hmm. with a spoon of water. Well, if I ever get a spoon, an appropriate spoon. You will. It'll just be inside the next boot you get sent. I like that. Mm -hmm. um, there, my third round out. I mean, I'll go fourth, actually, because there is a, a family-owned distillery in Speyside called Glenn Farkless. Glenn Farkless. Who also does sherry-matured, non-peated whiskeys. And they have their core range, which, to be honest, aren't that amazing. Hmm. They tend to be more what's called refill-matured. You don't get first fill. So first fill sherry casks, the whiskey is dark red. It looks really dark. Hmm. A second fill is lighter. Third fill is even lighter. Fourth fill, very light, right? So the more times whiskey's gone in, it just makes sense that there's just less mm -hmm. interaction between the cask and the, and the spirit. And Glenn Farkless, 
their core range, it looks like refill. It's natural colored. It's not very dark. It's good. And then they have a separate classification in their range called family casks, stuff they've held on to mm. for private stock mm -hmm. since the 50s, 1950s. And the, the family casks, I have a couple bottles of that are first fill. One, I think, is 17 years old and one's 26. And these are some of the best whiskeys I've ever had. Hmm. Single cask, cask strength, first fill. Like if you go through like a checklist of how to create an expensive whiskey, yeah, it's that's kind of it. Wait, did you know the the cask size? Because I only care about that now. Uh, they label it. So when you get into these higher end whiskeys, um, you don't tend to see it on ten year old, twelve year old. But when you really start to get into the more of the the niche whiskeys for the the anoraks for the real experts looking for stuff, you will see distillery dates like to the date like the day i mean so distillery dates bottled on dates cask size um and all the other details that we've already talked about i'm looking at my aaron 10 no you won't see a cask size okay yeah. so typically you won't see that until you in in a in a distillery's core range until you get into like the serious stuff um, you will see it in what's called independent bottlings. And this is a really cool thing that it tends not to exist in North America with bourbons and rye. It does, but it's not very common. But in scotch, it's more common. So let's just say you get uh, these larger distilleries like Glenfiddich or Glenlivet. Um, they make so much whiskey that, that a single barrel to them isn't worthwhile, right? <laughs> They're not going to create a marketing story around a single barrel where they're going to get 500 bottles of. They want to make hundreds of thousands of bottles right. of something. Right. 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 So independent bottlers are companies that go around to these distilleries and they say, hey, we want to buy a single cask of something special that you got lying around. It's not worth your time or trouble huh. for the McAllen's, for yep. the Glenfiddich's, for huh. whomever. To, to launch this, yeah. but we'll buy it off you and we'll launch it for you. Huh. So there, is, there are these independent bottlers, like one of them is called Signatory. Signatory um, goes around and they, they contact Bunahaben, they contact Tamdu, they contact you know large distilleries and say, what do you got floating around? Huh. And some of my other best whiskeys are from Signatory or Gordon McPhail, like these independent bottlers. They've, they've narrowed in on, we found a super kick-ass cask, and we're going to bottle it. And when it's done, it's done. You got to wait till we find something else. Mm -hmm. and <clears throat> I like this. this. Is, so, so here you got to really know what you're looking for, right? We're going to be checking out age statements. We're checking out cask sizes. We're definitely making sure it's natural colored, which by this point, it's always natural color, unchill filtered. Unless you're but, McAllen and then. But you sometimes. Pull your see, shit together, McAllen. Uh, independent bottlings from McAllen. Sometimes. It's kind of rare. Okay. I should stop. But, just, I apologize, yeah. McAllen. But again, it's still expensive. Yeah. McAllen's okay. not going to let one of their casks go for cheap. Okay. You're back out, McAllen. You're back out, McAllen. One of my favorite current scotches is from Signatory. 
So this bottling company, the distillery is Ben Rinnis. And Ben Rinnis is not known for making scotch. Huh. What are they known for? They're, on, they're a blend filler for Johnny Walker or huh. for some gigantic conglomerate, right? But there's people in the distillery who really care. Yeah. And they're like, we've set aside these casks because we're just, we're fans of the craft. We love what we're doing. And this one is a 22-year-old first fill sherry hogshead that I've got. And so really high age statement, really small cask, first fill cask strength, single cask. It's pretty sexy. And they do... So you always see the distilleries, um, distillery date, uh, when it went into the cask, the bottling date, the of course, the ABV that it's at, and then they individually number them at this point. Hmm. So you're seeing bottle number 302 out of 650. Hmm. And so these are the things you would look for when you're like, hey, if I've got 300 euros or bucks to spend, I could get a way overpriced Macallan. Mm-hmm. Or if I look at these independent bottlings, it does take way more legwork on your end to kind of sift through all the stuff, but it's there. All right. And it doesn't need to be super expensive. They have, you know, for in Europe, at least 60 euro, 50 euro bottles that are just unreal. All right. Here's what I propose. I literally have to leave in eight minutes. Oh, what a jerk. So what we should do is this, I think. <laughs> We're going to wrap up. You can talk about whatever you want to talk about for the next eight minutes. Mm-hmm. We're going to call this part one. Shockingly, I should have known we were headed this direction with you. And then in part two. Well, to be, to be honest, I don't know. I mean, we can keep talking about random stuff. Well, that's wait, wait. You um, hear me out. Don't interrupt. That's rude. Mm, sorry. You're like the McCallum no, of podcast guests. I don't know. Just kidding. Then the next time, what I will agree to do because I just basically need to get you off this call at this point. I will pick up another thing that you recommend. Okay. And we can come in. We'll just have a casual conversation. Just a couple guys, you know, trying some scotch out. But maybe you can tell our listeners, like, I don't know, two, three, four of these, what are we calling them? Independent. Bottlings. Independent bottlings that you think are quite good. Mm-hmm. And, or you have literally nothing else to say about scotch, in which case we can be done. done. Yeah, it's done. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> um, <laughs> it, so this, to be fair, in Europe, they're way easier to come across. The independent bottlers. Yeah, yeah, they yeah. are harder to come across in North America. They exist for sure. You just have to, you won't be able to find them at like a total wine. Sure. Spirits. You'll you have, know, you'll have to go look, to like a real we have specialist. A, we have a global audience. And sometimes the Europeans get mad at us because they can't get this or that ski. Let's let the Americans be mad for a minute. I got no problem. I'm not. I have no problem with people being mad at us. I'm going to tell you to get like a really expensive independent bottling. Now. No, I can't. I'm. I times are hard. No, dude, put it on the company credit card. You're good. <sighs> we'll we'll see. This is a this is a negotiation. But here's another thing. Mm-hmm. We should. Do I really want to say this out loud? But I guess I will. <laughs> like, for Crafted, I mean, I went to Florence and recorded a Crafted conversation in my favorite gelato shop in Florence. Mm-hmm. I feel like we should talk a little bit 
get Tamdu or Aaron or Bonahabin on board to record a crafted conversation, or maybe we'll do each, and then we'll go to Scotland, and you can come, and we'll do a tour and record a crafted conversation. And I think the world probably needs that. I think they need that, especially around the Fort William World Cup, mountain bike World Cup that happens in the summer. <sighs> okay, maybe. It's right there. All right. Well, we'll we're, this is, we're we're figuring it out. When is that? Fort that's Fort Williams. I'm race. Check the schedule. Summer, usually mid midsummer. Like mid. I'll double check. Okay. Mm-hmm. Okay. I mean, it could be a noble. I I haven't been to Scotland in a really long time. I should get back. And then I could I've also. Never been. Oh my God! You've never Let's been, go. but you have a map on your refrigerator. I know where to go. I haven't been there. Okay, yeah. this probably should happen because I need to get back to London too. So I could do a Scotland London thing. Um. Okay. I'm in. Okay. Fish and chips and get some scotch. <laughs> Good to go. No, no, I don't eat fish and chips when I go to the UK. I eat haggis, Indian food. Because it's amazing. Yes. Even if how Tikka it got masala to be. was invented in England. Look Fun at, fact. Look at that. Yep. Mm. By the way, what are you liking so far? The Aaron or the Boonahabin? Oh, thank you for asking. I didn't even think you cared hey, even after I went through we this whole thing and ordered this stuff. I had a plan. It was there. Just so hold your horses. I, I think that Aaron 10 is just easy drinking, like easy drinking goodness. Mm-hmm. The, I don't think you're wrong about the Bunahaban. Like, I think you could argue there is more complexity. There's definitely more spice. There's more flavor. And so I think I want to just spend a little more, you know, time mm-hmm. with the Bunahaban. Yep. The, the Aaron 10 is in the like, uh, it's one of those, like, I don't know how somebody could say they dislike this scotch. Totally. Like if you yeah. are into whiskey, I, you can't mm-hmm. possibly say you dislike the scotch. So that's kind of my um, initial thoughts. I mean, again, I literally opened these bottles on this conversation. So I want to, you know, we don't do, mm-hmm. we don't do one run reviews, Matt Manzer. That's not blister. It's not blister. But um, no. yeah, so I, I, I see why you like both. I think both are interesting. I'll spend a little more time. I'm glad you talked a lot of shit about McAllen. I wonder if you're going to get which, like people which, mad because I mean, McAllen has a lot of fans, right? To my, so this is the whiskey that got me into whiskey was McAllen. Okay. So when I was in grad school, I started drinking McAllen with some friends who had it at a, at some kind of study group kind of thing. And I, I fell in love with it. And that's all I drank up until about four ish years ago. Hmm. But again, when it comes down to spending the money, if you really want to say push comes to shove, there's a hundred bucks on the table. I will find you a better whiskey. No question. Okay. Here's another topic for next time. I am not going to ask you this. I do not want you to answer this question, but you should write this down because I will forget. I want to talk a little bit about sherry, not sherry casks, mm-hmm. but like, cause a sherry, if I'm out on something more than scotch, it's sherry. And I could be wrong. I don't know. But so don't answer this, but that will add that to our list of mm-hmm. our next conversation, um, Sherry. And then here's one more thing. I'm throwing it out there. I want to do an amateur hour 
where like I'm the guest and I'm true oh, watches. And I, and I promise you, right. everyone, I am a hundred percent an amateur. I'm not a fake amateur. Like mm-hmm. Matt was sitting, I'm not going to sound like a Wikipedia article like Matt did. So, um, but starting this whole blister craft collective and the crafted podcast, I went down this funny, strange, unexpected rabbit hole into watches. And I feel like at some point I want to talk about that. But I'm going to need somebody to interview me. Hmm. So, it could be you. It could be Luke Kappa. It could be Cody. Do you want to... Do you want to throw your hat into the ring? Oh, I'll grow the shit out of you about watching. Well, but man. again, I'm not going to be the... Wiki- I'm not going Wikipedia style, but I do want to kind of tell the story. You're just going to talk about how you... You want to have a Patek Philippe, then you're good to go from there. <laughs> no. That's like your, no. the only thing you want in watches. No, no I, I think it's a fascinating craft space. <laughs> I, got, I have some thoughts about it. Yeah. So anyway, I guess you can think about that, but I, I'm going to need somebody to have the conversation with. Mm-hmm. Cody's probably going to be, that. I don't know. Too busy. Ooh, I think Cody and I could interview you about no, watches. No, we got to. I only want one. I only want one mm. one person on this. Okay, it's up to you. Okay. Pick your favorite. <laughs> That'll be what happens. Cody's my favorite. <laughs> <laughs> you like no, just to be clear, you still I think it's probably drawing getting closer, but you have been on more blister podcasts than Cody, though he's probably catching up quickly. I mean you guys have a monthly spot. Yeah. So that's kind of Do you actually unfair. listen to those, by the way? I do. What did you think of the last one? So, I didn't catch up on that. I'm not on the last one, but every one before that, to be fair. All right. So, I have to... I know you guys have been talking a lot about the bear. Yeah. I have not watched that. Oh, dude. Yet. I have to get into it. Part of it is convincing Alba. Uh, Tell tell your lovely girlfriend, I think she's going to be into it, is my hunch. We just started Succession. I'm sorry, what? We just started Succession. Okay, we'll get through Succession. You got a lot of work in yeah. front of you. Yeah. Yeah. So, at least we're we're getting there. Yeah. Right? I but tell but, um, but tell Alba and she tell me then if I'm wrong, but mm-hmm. I think she's going to be into the bear. I mean, if both you guys are into it, I'm pretty sure I would be too. Well, I know you. We're not not, not everything's about line. you, Matt. We're talking about it Alba. It mostly is though. It, but it <laughs> mostly is. Um I no, but I I actually I will be a bit surprised if Alba's mm-hmm. not like, I love this. Okay. So I hope I'm right. I'll but... tell her in two minutes. I'm okay. Done. Okay. I'm just going to open the door and be like, open it up. <sighs> All right. So you don't seem that enthusiastic to talk watches with me or not even, not like you have to know anything about watches. I don't know that much about watches. That's I why we call it amateur. About watches. Okay. It'll be very amateur. It'll be the opposite of what we just did. Yeah, I, no, I I'm I'm hoping it's the opposite of what. No, I'm just kidding. Perfect. If that, if that's our if we're aligned on expectations, okay. we're good. All right. It'll be good. Maybe I should ask the listeners if they want to see Matt Manzer do the watch episode with me or Luke well, what Kappa. If, what if I do the watch episode but I'm drinking scotch? Oh, that's fine. Do, that's I think the qualifier. That tends to get more of a, a warm reception. Okay. All right. We'll we'll discuss. So we have yeah. We have a bit of a agenda for our second Scotch conversation, but we're also going to talk about Sherry in that one. We're going to mm-hmm. talk about some independent billings. 
bottlers. Damn it. The company, independent, independent bottlers. bottlers. Or bottlings. And we'll just talk about the I'll, I'll, I'll try to find uh I don't know. I'm only gonna say right now I'm gonna I'll go get one more of these things because this is I'm yeah, this this it's getting expensive at the Christmas this, season. This explodes. We haven't even talked about my collection yet. Your collection so. is ridiculous. So I've I've got about seventy <laughs> bottles of scotch. <laughs> Yeah. If you count, so Scotch, Irish whiskey, American bourbon rye. A 70 bottles scotch. of whiskey, not 70 60, bottles of scotch. Okay, okay. 60 is scotch. Dear Lord, dude. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Um, we probably should have let it that one, but. Oh, well. <laughs> okay. It's not about me. It's about educating the people. That's right. Hey. I'm going skiing tomorrow, by the way. <gasps> Where? Yeah. Um, about 40 minutes from where I live is a valley called Gestein, and there's a bunch of there's Bad Gestein, Hof Gestein, Sport Gestein, like in this valley. And uh, me and Valley Hull and a few other little oh wow shredders are going to find some pow tomorrow. Yeah, I had to remount Valley skis today. <laughs> she didn't. <laughs> She's like, I don't know if I'm okay with the recommended line on the Bent 110. And I'm like, Probably not. <laughs> yeah. Let's move you back a couple centimeters. So she came over a couple hours ago, remounted some skis, and we're going to shred tomorrow. That's awesome. Because it, it's finally snowed here. Hmm. It just became winter like last week. Have you not skied yet? In Austria. I have one day. Okay. One day. Yeah. Um, say hi to Valley for me. I really, really, really enjoyed our com- the conversation She's that awesome. the three of us had together. She's- I'm sure she'd want to come back on. Let's do it. Talk bikes. Tell her. Because I don't know if you saw the news today. At least it hit the public um, waves. But uh, there's some changes to how uh, World Cup Downhill is going to be scheduled and filmed or shot, huh. aired next year. Huh. Do we like there's the qualifying. news? Okay. Well, there's. I had a nice little chat with Valley while I was putting holes in her skis. Um, you've got normal qualifying and normal finals. But there's a semifinal now thrown into the mix to kind of keep reducing the field further yep. for finals, okay. basically. So let's just say qualifying is Saturday, semifinals and finals are on Sunday. So now hmm. the top athletes are going to have to race twice on race day instead of the normal one time. Let's, let's have this is, the three of us yeah. on to talk about this on mm-hmm. bikes and big ideas yeah okay lots going on here yeah um mostly she's just awesome so say hi to me it'd be fun i wish i could man that stupid thing on star trek that like what would what did they call it the like transporter you just step into the little tube and then you're anywhere in the world yeah beam me down beam me down yeah mm-hmm. like yeah. if i could just be beamed around places like tomorrow i would go ski with you and valley and I really could use that in my life. And then like our Scottish tour of- We'll just go right up to Scotland. Yeah. I mean, this could, it's really, technologists really need to step their game up. Technologists. I mean, I didn't know really. I mean, what do you call them? Transportation experts? Magicians. Yeah. Okay. Um, Magickers. Let's say hi to Valley. Tell her Mm -hmm. we should have that conversation. We'll do that soon on our Bikes and Big Ideas podcast. And we have a bit of an agenda for our next Scotch thing. 
And Boom. please tell your lovely girlfriend, Alba, that I really do actually think she will like the bear. Okay. Okay. That's it. That's all I got. That'll, that'll help me watch the bear. Yeah, yeah. No, I think. Because if she's not into the idea. But no, I get it. Yeah, it's important. Dead on arrival. I get yeah. it. Um, okay. Hey, man. It's always fun. Very good times. Thank you so much for having me back on. Or having me on Crafted. Crafted for the first time. Amateur hour. Yeah. For the first time. And then think about the watch thing. Because I feel like you didn't actually, I don't feel like you were genuinely interested enough to to be the host of the watch edition of Crafted. Is it like more like a grilling you about just, watches? This is a Can conversation. What are you talking about grilling? We I don't. I kind of want to grill you no, about watches. No, we just have oh. nice conversations. Okay. Like what's your favorite hour? Okay, you're probably not going to be the guy. But anyway, um, <laughs> I'm going to give you back to your evening. It's actually like past 11 p.m. your time. So apologize to Alba for me. Say hi to Alba for me. Tell her my thoughts about the bear that I think she'll like it. And that's all I got. Hey, I'll, I'll do my best. All right, man. I'll talk to you soon. It's been fun. We'll look forward to it. All right. Bye-bye. Well, that's it for this edition of Crafted. I want to say thanks to Matt for the conversation. And keep in mind that on December 28th, Matt is going to be back on our newest show called The Blister Happy Hour. It's only for Blister members, but there is going to be a live stream that Matt will be on and all of our Blister members can join. So come chop it up with Matt on December 28th and all Blister members can find a link to this and get the specific time by going to the Blister Member Clubhouse portion of our website. So that's on the navigation bar, the Blister Member Clubhouse. You can find the exact time, dates, links to join the conversation there. And I have a hunch that's going to be a fun one. So catch Matt December 28th on our new Blister Happy Hour. Now, I also want to say thanks to the strikingly handsome Justin Bob for producing this conversation, and thanks to you for listening. From the entire team here at Blister, please take good care of yourself and everybody else, and we will talk to you again real soon.